This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. stories, Mr. Frodo. The ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, the shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Furrow, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going. Because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? But there's some good in this world, Mr. Furl. And it's worth fighting for. Hello Hop Hobbits and welcome to another episode of the Hop 4 podcast. Although these words are not the creation of J.R. Tolkien, but of Lord of the Rings screenwriter Fran Walsh, they nevertheless resound true in this day and age more than ever. You don't need to look far these days to see systemic racism and homophobia plaguing our society, or inequality in the workplace with discrepancies in pay between men and women. I think we're all in agreement that society as a whole could function so much better than it does. While the beer industry historically has largely been the dominion of the white male, huge steps have been made towards inclusivity over the past 10 to 20 years. You still only need to go back over previous episodes of the Hot 4 podcast alone to hear topics such as the lack of female representation in beer, LGBTQ plus repression and issues surrounding ethnicity and disabilities that come into the fray as the ideals of the craft beer industry are always fully held up. As a side note, I always find it ironic given that there has been such a great push towards recognising and repenting of our systemic racism and even our own unwitting prejudice that one of the most revered brewers in the world today is a black man from Holland's Queen called Garrett Oliver, the legendary brewmaster for famed Brooklyn Brewery. 
And yet the vast majority of the brewing industry still largely consists and attracts white men. And many breweries still allow employees to use crass, sexist language on the factory floor, which would make an uncomfortable environment for many, many women. Put it this way, for some of the things I've witnessed and heard in some breweries and hospitality venues over the years, and it's not all that often these days, but it does still exist, I wouldn't feel comfortable about my daughters working in such places. It's evident, even from a small snapshot, that there's still a long, long way to go. And if you don't believe me, take a look at the worst beer blog. I'll just leave that little nugget with you. However, some great initiatives have come to the surface over recent years to raise awareness surrounding these issues. But as an industry, how much difference can a lone voice calling in the wilderness really make? It takes an entire tribe or community to stand up for inequality wherever it's found and say, you know what, things aren't right here. This needs to change. One such person fostering a collective approach is Alan Mahin, founder of Brewgooder and a new non-for-profit decentralised movement driven by its brewery members called Work in Progress. Work in Progress is open to all breweries that inspire to build a more inclusive and representative beer industry. The breweries involved thus far include everyone from London's Mondo Brewing Company, Liverpool's Neptune Brewery, Bristol's left-handed giant and many, many more, with businesses committed to taking action, forging links with communities to increase opportunities and promote collaboration between brewers and underrepresented groups in our society. As a non-for-profit, decentralised movement driven by the members, Work in Progress is establishing a steering committee of trusted industry and non-industry voices to help guide and unify the collective voices and actions to create greater inclusivity in the beer and wider drinks industry. A few months back, I caught up with Alan to discuss Work in Progress and what breweries can do to create a more diverse, unified workforce, an industry that covers the entire colour spectrum, both in the physical, cultural and metaphorical sense. If you'd like to sign up to Work in Progress, I'd highly encourage you to head over to workinprogress.beer, that's workinprogress.beer, where you can find out more information and become a member. Each and every week, we're partnering with Brew School to bring you the latest brewing jobs and careers in the UK brewing and beverage industry. And this week's highlight of industry job is as a sales rep for Simply Hops. Simply Hops, part of Bath Haas, has been growing at an incredible pace for the last five years and they are looking for an additional member to join their sales team. As a professional and approachable person with a love of craft beer and brewing, you'll manage a valuable group of brewery relationships. The role is home-based, so you'll need to show that you can work under your own initiative remotely. However, you will also be expected to attend the offices based in Paddock Wood in the UK regularly, so it's also essential that you can manage relationships with people around you and be a supportive and positive member of the team. The role offers a generous salary, healthcare pension and many other benefits. If you're interested, please send an email to Phil saying why you would be the perfect fit for the role. The email is phil at simplyhops.com or you can head over to brewing-jobs.com, find the job post and click apply to this job today. Brewing Jobs is the first dedicated job board for brewing jobs and careers. So get ready for your career in brewing in partnership with Brew School 
only at brewing-jobs.com. Finally, be sure to follow us on all the socials at Beers. Visit our website for more info on how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business at hotford.beer. Head over to Facebook and join our growing Facebook community of brewers and beer professionals alike by searching Hot Ford in the Facebook groups. And be sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already to automatically download the latest episodes each week. So let's crack open today's episode with Alan Mahan from Work in Progress and Brew Gooder talking all about this fantastic new initiative. Today, I'm joined by Alan Mahin, uh, founder of Brewgooder and also the founder of Work in Progress. Hello. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Sitting up here in uh, sunny Scotland, um, which is fantastic. We don't really get this opportunity uh, very often, and I'm spending it um, sat indoors talking to you. So, yeah. Oh, there you go. Wow, look at you. Um, So, is, is it Edinburgh you said you were based? Yeah, so um, Brugger is largely Glasgow-based um, with most of the team over there, um, but I live in Edinburgh uh, over on the East Coast, um, which is a, a lovely city, uh, a nice beery city as well. Um, so yeah, it's uh, nice and sunny, which makes it extra special. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got the hanging bat on your doorstep. So. Absolutely, we do indeed. Yeah, one of my favourite bars. Amazing. Um, can't wait to properly return to it at some point in the, in the near future. Yeah, well, my brother-in-law lives up there, and he took us to the Hanging Bat um, last time I we went to visit him, and I was just I was amazed. You know, it was it was um, I say last time I we went to visit him, it was 2015 or something like that. So it's about five years ago. Um, but yes, yeah, so I remember asking for a sample of um, whatever it was from their bar in in Sheffield. You know, if you ask for a sample, they might as well just give you a half pint. You know, it's yeah. like a full of. <laughs> but you got like this little thimble out, poured the beer into this thimble, then sort of held it onto the light and flicked it <laughs> me. I was like wow they, they, they roll differently around here so yeah it must be uh, precious precious liquid absolutely yeah so and uh, yeah how's how's lockdown been for you with brew good yeah, and stuff I, I can imagine um, like personally um, professionally like it's it's roller coaster stuff I'd imagine and I don't think I would be alone I'm sure many of your listeners um, whether they're in the beer industry or, or just beer drinkers or you know whatever they do you know there's been great moments where you have the opportunity to spend a bit more time um, you know if you if you live with if your family or, or with friends you know you get to um, spend a bit more time with them you get to enjoy some quality of life things you know when when we're able to go for greater amounts of exercise and stuff you know probably quite fit and, and healthy as much as I've ever been but then you miss a lot of things you know catch it up with with people which at the start was kind of replaced by loads and loads of Skype calls and, and quizzes um, hmm. which Everyone's had their fill of, uh, and this rush of buzz and excitement. And now it's kind of easing in Scotland, although Aberdeen um, has been put under re-lockdown, I guess, um, which was which hopefully isn't a sign of, of things to come. And I think professionally, like in terms of, of, of what we've done with Brugger, it's been a it's been a huge wake up call. We we were in the process of collaborating with four different countries um, as as close to, to lockdown as you could possibly get it. We were meant to launch our global gathering campaign on the 20th of March. Mm. And um, Boris Johnson said, as of 10 o'clock tonight, um, bars are, are closed. And I think the, there was a longer lead up for bars um, because we were effectively told not to, to go and visit them rather than they should close. So that kind of ran a, a huge... Um, 
coaching horses through our fundraising plans for for our flame water projects and and just some awesome collaborations that we've been working you know for six or seven months to try and coordinate and coordinate in a way that would all go off you know in a bang and when that didn't happen you know a lot of beers actually did did make it out you know if i'm sitting here looking at a brewdog collaboration at um, magic rock um beaver town yeasty boys tempest Schindiger over time, like, like loads of cloud water, like loads of amazing beers got released, but it felt like a lot of a massive anticlimax because it was meant to, you know, the idea of these beers was to was to bring people together and to bring them, you know, an excuse to to go to tap rooms and um, on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday for 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 local breweries in particular. So that was quite a challenge. But then, you know, within two or three days, we said we need to do something appropriate for 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 lockdown and for, for COVID and we launched a campaign uh, called One On Us for the NHS workers so drinkers could come on uh, pay six quid and that would allow an NHS worker to claim a four pack and what was really special but it was little messages of support mm. and that exploded like we didn't expect it to, to do half of, of, of what it actually achieved I think there was about seven and a half to eight thousand um, NHS workers had that and you know got those little messages and, and little you know, pick me up so pretty after maybe, you know, really stressful long shifts where, you know, they were really on the front lines. And then that turned into, you know, we, we turned that into a massive out of home campaign across the country where we were just displaying messages and stuff. So what that kind of taught us was um, that there was a lot more to our brand probably and, and what we were about than just the clean drinking water. And then, you know, as we'll come on to speak about, you know the, the Black Lives Matter protest that that happened after the murder of George, George Floyd was just you know a real wake up call for us as a brand to kind of pursue the type of thing we had always wanted to pursue but just didn't feel the push. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the, the, you have to say something now. You have to change now, and you know hopefully that's for the better and, and hopefully that is, is something that is ever experienced you know by by the individual listeners or, or people who are working in breweries um all across the country and hopefully across the world yeah it's interesting you say that because um last night me and my wife watched two things on youtube one was uh, the donald <coughs> trump interview with on hbo um yeah. and you know 42 minutes of his ramblings you know, it's enough to make you give up hope on the entire world. Um, yeah. And then straight after, we, in stark contrast, we watched um, John Lewis's eulogy as um, read and spoken by Barack Obama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and um, it, yeah, it's been just as we're talking now. It's it's interesting on just for me doing this podcast, documenting how. Um, how much has changed since going into lockdown for the beer industry Absolutely. right through not just to um you know dealing with coronavirus and reopening and all the rest of it and or even some of the mental health stuff that people are, are, are now tackling but um like say that the the systemic things that are happening and changes that need to happen in our society yeah. Uh, as a result i mean do, do you think just before we come on to work in progress do you think that um, brewery businesses or just businesses in general n need to start taking more positions when it comes to these things, even if even if they are a little bit politically loaded. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm unreservedly in the camp that if you have a voice and people listen to you and respect you and you have something valuable to say on any topic, you should be able to say it. Hmm. I think um, there's lots of different um, examples 
I think probably one of the, the the ones I was closest to was was when Cloudwater, um, you know, launched released a blog. I, I can't remember the specifics of it, but basically, the, some of the sentiment was, you know, it, it became a culture war. It became people who really identified with it were like absolutely right on. You know, more reason to to support you guys. And then there were other people who were saying, um, you know, you you're a beer brand. You need to stay out of politics. And I can see how both those sides fall, but for me, you know, I, I I don't agree with the latter because it's illustrated by something else which is completely outside of the beer industry. If you if you think that, you know, ultimately brands or personalities or people um, who are trying to appeal to to consumers um, should stay out of politics, then I think there's one example that kind of blows all that out of the water. Uh, Marcus Rashford. Which it pains me to say, because I'm an Arsenal fan, so I can't bring <laughs> Manchester United fans or Manchester United players. But you know, he ultimately stepped into to, to politics, I guess, um, briefly um, for for campaigning for school meals for for kids mm. over the summer. And if he had listened to anyone saying you're a footballer, not a not a politician, you need to stay out of it. You know, there would be kids who are who will have, in in essence, their their education, their future, their their health you know limited for for years and years and years but he did and he stepped outside it and people listened to him because he had a voice and i think that whether you're a brand in, in the brewing industry or your brand in clothing or you know electronic whatever it might be if people respect and take their cues from you and you're a hot leader in, in your space then you have every right to to project what you think is is the right thing to do and if people you know if people choose not to drink your beer as a result of it that in itself is fine. You know, there would have been a, a, a fizzling out of that relationship over the long term because the values weren't aligned. And then if you do find that those people could be replaced by people who do share your views, um, and I'm not all for, for making everything a culture war between left and right or, you know, young and old or, or, or whatever it might be, but, you know, mainly if you have, like I say, if you have something to say and it's valuable and it's well thought out, then you should put it out there. And if people respond to it well, happy days. If they don't, then then maybe there's a there was a greater challenge there all along. Yeah. So um, let, let's talk about work in progress. So can you fill us in with the details as to what work in progress is and, and how that's kind of been birthed out of Brugada? Yeah, so um, it's kind of a, a longer form story. I guess when we started Brugada back in 2016, we wanted to... Um, we wanted to prove basically that you could do amazing things that helped other people through beer and you could turn drinkers into um, into philanthropists in essence by by having a fiver in their pocket if they go to you know buy a pint or hopefully cheaper um, than that as well um, but then as we sort of tried to explain what our mission was we kind of fell into traps that were you know in many ways well established and we were kind of blind to them but we kind of felt like or i certainly look back on on our 2016 to maybe 2018 um journey as one of you know presenting ourselves as white saviors for for helpless and um african communities Hmm. and i knew that that wasn't what we were about but i couldn't help fall into the trap of communicating it like that and i think when people understand a narrative whether that narrative is correct or not they tend to be more persuaded by that narrative and you fall right back into that trap again, you perpetuate it. And then we made a conscious decision around 2018 to start telling our impact in in empowerment. Like when you have 
a secure access to water you can go on and build a better life for yourself and it's not a dependency thing etc etc and as we came into 2019 and, and and certainly early 2020 we had a concrete vision well before um well before covid sort of sped things up but we had a concrete vision of really trying to to change what how we communicated our impact um certainly how we then made um you know drinkers here relate to it and how we represented the potential drinkers that we wanted to bring into to craft beer or to, to beer in general and when we looked around we thought we were you know um too pale too male too stale i think is, is a good way to, to capture it um, and we wanted to to basically increase a bit of diversity and to actually stop appropriating the culture and instead create our own vision of our brand as, as one that's focused on helping drinkers empower other people or help empowering drinkers to, to better other people's lives and we'd always sort of hummed and hawed and went yeah that's definitely the right direction and then you know may 25th rolls around you know a really heinous um murder in essence of someone and and that sparks you know these massive protests um, around the world, an inner revulsion, I think, in our team to, to think that we had been participating you know, on the sidelines, pretending that we were non-racist, when actually we should have been anti-racist. And we took, i say, two or three weeks of like real soul-searching as a brand to say, well, what could we do that makes people feel welcome to ever interact with us or to, to interact with our industry. And we developed this open letter that I wrote basically saying, you know, it's time to take a stand and become anti-racist and here's how we're going to do it. And we developed 14 different points. Some of them are super easy, like, you know, we'll, we'll represent more um, black people or people of color uh, in our um in our social media or our marketing, you know, imagery, which we had been doing since since really December 2019 when we did our first sort of mini TV advert on STV, where we definitely had people of color represented as the main drinkers, the main uh, drivers of, of, of positive change through beer. And then we did some stuff which I think is, is super cool and we're super proud of, like um, we're doing mentoring for, for, for black and um, Asian minority ethnic entrepreneurs um, who wanted to, to start purpose-led brands, which is awesome. I was just chatting to one um, just previously. Um, and then we were, um, we started a, a brewing bursary, or sorry, a, a studying bursary for um, BAME students to, to go to Harriet Watt to do the uh, brewing and distilling mm. course. So hopefully we're actually changing at all levels. We're not changing, you know, trying to change at all levels of the industry where we can with the levers that we can pull. So we put that out there into the world. And listen, you know, from a marketing point of view, you, you have certain things that you understand can you know tick boxes or people are interested in and if you anyone uses MailChimp to, to, to communicate with your your database you know it was a 70% open rate on on this anti-racism platform so we knew people were interested in it yeah and then we waited for for the people to come back and tell us if we were moving in the right direction or not we didn't get a lot of people saying oh my god this is the most amazing thing ever because that in essence, confirmed that the people that we were speaking to took this on board as that's what needs to be done. You shouldn't be patted on the back for doing it. And we got one or two people saying, we'll never drink, I'll never drink your beer again. Not because they were saying that they were racist or, or, or whatever, but just because they said, like we had chatted about, you don't, I don't want politics for my beer run. You said, okay, no worries, that's fine. We think of it more in a humanitarian sense than a political sense, but you know, absolutely 100%, good luck. Um, and when we put it out there, 
into like Twitter and, and, and on socials, the guys at Mondo Brewing down in, in London um, sort of got in touch and said, you know, this is this is great. Like we're thinking about doing the exact same thing, but in different pillars. Like we want to do it absolutely on the anti-racism stuff, but we actually probably want to do stuff on LGBT plus. We want to do something on female representation, on, on disabled um drinkers and, and stuff like that and then we said actually funny you say that because we've always wanted to do those things as well and you know whether it was next pride month or whatever we were going to try and do the same thing more like super constructive um policies that we could enact and, and go on a journey with in other spaces and then we said well why wait why not just actually put this out into the world and and we did, and we created an open, um, decentralized network of brewers that, you know, ultimately it's it's me and, and my team trying to get it off the ground and, and, and kind of kickstart it at the minute. But it's really a devolved process where any brewery can join that, that wants to make a more inclusive industry. And for me, the really encouraging thing is we've had about 22, um, 23 different breweries sign up of, of various different sizes and, and shapes and, and, and output. Um, but one of the things is is that like they've all signed up to just try and be better. Like they they're not saying we're going to become you know the complete. It's not like a game you can complete. It's effectively saying we recognise something. There might only be two or three of us, four or five of us, whatever, or there might be you know a couple of thousand in some of those breweries. Um, and we want to change for the better. And the thing that I, I hope is unique about um, work in progress is that you have you know by signing up to to the platform. The group, you have to sign up to to being accountable. So you have to report on the progress that you're making against um, against uh, the the actions that you said you're going to take. So it's been really good. But again, you know, we need to do a lot more. We need to, to build a, a steering committee to help inform you know the, some of the policies and, and procedures we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to take on. We need to give that its own. Um, team its own leadership that's outside of Brugger so it's not a Brugger initiative mm. uh, but if we can get that out into the world and make it happen then you know it's fantastic if everyone goes on that journey you yeah. know it's not going to solve anything but it's a start and it's a signal and hopefully it's a signal to say you might not see yourself as a craft beer drinker because you're not white you don't have a beard you're not a guy you know, you're not university educated. Whatever the the demographic stereotype is that keeps getting per, perpetuating within craft beer, um, if that doesn't start to change and you don't start to see or imagine yourself in a setting enjoying craft beer comfortably, then you're never going to get into it. But if little by little people start to 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 make it a more welcoming space, then think about it in two ways. You know, we have more people who are passionate about the same thing we are you know we're inviting them into that to that club to 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 be to go on the journeys that we've all enjoyed and, and been so passionate about and then on the second sense you know i can't think of a more dynamic industry than than craft beer you know constant pushing of the boundaries of flavor of of you know um execution of marketing you know uh, creativity of, of designs collaboration you know all this sort of stuff and that's just from you know a predominantly lookalike audience. If we expand that, could you imagine how amazing this industry, you know, which is already amazing, could could end up being? So that's kind of what hopefully we we can we can start to plot our way towards. Yeah, I think um, 
accountability is definitely key when it comes to seeing social change um, I, I know I've found from personal experience that if accountability and, and being held accountable isn't offered in a way that's underpinned by love and genuine concern for the offending party or, or, or receiving that back to yourself if you've done something wrong, you know, like say, you, come on, mate, you can, you, you can, you need to do better than this or you can, yeah. you can do better than this, you know, spur, spurring people on to, to win the race, you know, so, so it is win-win. I think it can turn really ugly really quick because, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and you can end up with full-on cancel culture at worst. So like, yeah. how, how do you encourage people to have a healthy approach when it comes to accountability? I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on it, but you know, all I all I say is, you're in the you know, you don't sign up. No, none of the. I mean, I've spoken to every single brewery more or less that's that's signed up, bar ones that I'm waiting to to talk to, just to kind of understand what their motivations are, and they're all from the place of, you know what. It's something I wanted to do, but I didn't have the support structure or the framework to start to do it. I didn't know where to start that that process. And I think all of that means that you're starting from a, a, a super genuine place. And then it becomes a question of saying, well, if if, if do you trust the, the brewery or the people that are animating that brewery to you know, go from a position of recognizing that they want to do something better to then developing stuff that they can implement themselves. That for me is is what's different because you're not signing up to say, here's a um, copy and paste approach to being more inclusive, right? You're saying, look at your own business, decide what you can do, plot them out. So that might be two or three things, that might be a hundred things. Work towards them. If you don't get them right, just say so. Just say, listen, this didn't work for us. You know, happy to understand why, or maybe this is why we understand why. And if those things and if other things did work, then celebrate them and say, mm-hmm. why don't why don't other people other people um, do it? The the trick is, I think, you know, is that we need to be self reflective enough to understand that the majority of people that I've spoke to certainly are the people that are the stereotype. In many respects, do you know what I mean? But I think that that shows a willingness to empathise, a willingness to create something, and to, to open up and share a space. And I just think that we don't know what how that will play out, but I think it will lead to to small incremental gains. And if you have enough people making those incremental gains, then you do start to change the system full stop. And I don't want it to be a case where you know a brewery has two or three different points, and you know they're very very small, you know. You know, they're not massive revolutions in, in how they do things, but that that is somehow worse than a bigger brewery with more resources, with more you know backing behind it, to then be able to turn on and flick a switch of something that's you know a hundred times bigger and 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 somehow that seemed to be better. I think it's just a stamp of your wanting to go on a journey of betterment, and I think that's something that all the breweries of all the sizes should be congratulated on. Yeah, well, I think it's different for everybody's journey, isn't it? Whether you're a brewery or a business, you know, to an individual in life you know some people just have more capacity and and seem to go further in that journey and and for some people it's just literally they take a step forward you know a positive step forward and 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 i think that should be celebrated for that individual as much as the brewery that's you know 
doing massive things with marketing campaigns and look at us we're doing this and so on and so forth because yeah. for that, that one person that might be a big step forward to think i will employ a, a female for example it sounds it sounds so ridiculous and archaic no it does but, it is it is the, but it is it's true it is it's what you're saying is true and um you know, you know, I was I, I was talking to um, Marie Selness from Tap Social in Oxford um, the other night for a podcast episode, and she she's from Norway, and she said that um, she turned up to a brewers meeting once, and the person leading the meeting said, um, "What are you doing here?" And she said, "Oh, I've, I've come for the meeting," and he was like, "No, you, you know, basically, you don't belong here." because yeah. you're female was the insinuation yeah. and you know we were we were gobsmacked and it is it is gobsmacking so i think it's definitely really worth celebrating if somebody particularly have that mindset and then they take that step forward you know it's that's worth celebrating at least it's yeah. a step forward absolutely and i think like one of the things that you pointed out there was like you know you know bigger brands being able to you know put their, their effectively a marketing thing behind it and Regardless of, of, of the means, at times, you know, if, if it does genuinely turn the dial on a better industry, then it should be welcome. But I think one of the things that's like the, the you know, the a bit of a, a secret cachet that people don't necessarily talk about when they talk about why craft beer is so successful is, is authenticity. Hmm. You know, it means so, it's coming from an authentic place and it's honest and it's real. And I think when you go on, hopefully when breweries go on this work in progress journey, they're the other other people, their drinkers, their stakeholders, whoever, their their peers within the industry, as in other brewers, will see that that's genuine and that's authentic, and that can't be substituted or bought, you know. So I think that's the important thing, and I think if if authentically they can only take quite baby steps at the start, then that's as good as being able to throw you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds at it in a, in a glitzy way, for sure. Yeah. So are you able to give us some examples of where you've seen inclusion at its best working within the drinks industry? Ooh, that's an interesting one. I think um, some of, like, the, the projects that I've been witness to but never really actually, like, fully um, immersed myself in for, for various different reasons um, are, like, um, Fresh Fest in the United States um, I remember having the privilege of sitting down with Garrett Oliver for 20 minutes in a very hot Olympia in Kensington um, uh, and just chatting to him about our global gathering and, and he was just so effusive about this notion that um, that black people were getting into beer in, in, in America and every time I watch that I just, you know, I see stuff you know, uh, relating to it, I'm like that's you know a movement, a genuine movement of, of passion and people trying to trying to open up that industry. Um, I think Lily Waits with um, Queer Brewing Project is is awesome as well, uh, and I think that in those spaces, you know, the authenticity of it, like I said, that you know the 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 genuineness is, is just so palpable that it can't really easily be reproduced mm. elsewhere. And I think that people who, you know, who, you know, we can speak up for or we can try and speak up for, for other people. But when those people speak up for themselves, you know, it, it's it's super powerful. And, and I think Lily um, would be one of the people we'd love to, to try and help us shape what work in progress looks like for sure. Um, but you see, I mean, you start to see it even in our own team, I guess. Um, we have a super small team of, of four people. 
but you know we we have a by default you know it's not it's not easy it's not hard to achieve but we have a, a gender balance within our team of, of literally 50 50 and on the 50 percent of the of the female side you know you're just all the beer knowledge sits you know and like just to your anecdote and we take our cues um from from kirsten and abby and i think that they have their own heroes you know you've got uh, beer without beards um as well which you know is run by some team at, at camp Ravan. and they're just so much more plugged into you know a, a growing movement of, of of representation for for females within the industry um, so I think if you 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 know you don't there are three off the top of my head. Um, I don't think you have to look hard. I think the difference is is that how you support it. So do you and do you do you go? Oh, that's lovely. That's nice. That's a nice thing to do. Or do you actually say, right? I as a drinker, I'm going to you know spend time searching that out or or money and and buying some of those beers. Uh, or am I, uh, as a brewer or a brand or or even a design agency or whatever, going to actively try and, and, and work with those people to, to create something and to, to normalize it? And I think that's the step that people, that certainly we need to, to, to take as a team and, and hopefully other brewers will, will do so as well. Yeah. I mean, in, in a day and age where there is a great level of awareness or even enlightenment, I guess, about mindfulness and inclusivity and fighting systemic injustices, as, as we're seeing with Black Lives Matters. Um, mm. And I know we did touch upon this a little bit earlier. I mean, do you, do you think more brewers and businesses ought to be taking a stance and raising their flag one way or another? Or is, is, is it OK on the flip side to not do that? Because I think, that, that again, and this ties into a lot, I think, of, of social media and, and psychology and stuff. It, it can sometimes feel a little bit like if I don't have a strong opinion on something one way or the other that I ought to have, particularly with, with issues like these issues, which are, you know, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I, I'm totally 110% all for inclusivity and, and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, within business and in industries and everything. So just, I just want to make that categorically clear. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I think, like, well, just take all businesses for example. So a business down the road might sell houseplants, you know, and they just kind of want to get on quietly and sell houseplants without being dragged into debates on on Twitter and stuff. Like, what, do, whereabouts should we draw those lines and stuff between that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. You don't want your life to be absorbed by a culture war but i think if you have if you're in an opportunity to to turn off from the culture war or the you know the injustices and and sort of say i want to stay out of it it's probably a reflection of your own privileged status you know a lot of people can't um do that and they're the ones that are probably suffering so you know if you're not i i genuinely think that if you're not moving with every possible sinew that you can exercise up until the point where you're totally exhausted. I don't mean that you should be, you know, you, you should feel that you have to be constantly dynamically moving in, in protest directions or whatever. But if you're not, if you're not doing what is within your power, um, up to the, the full limits of that, to, to try and make the world a better place for for other people, then you know that is something you need to address. Mm. And I think that if you if you do that, you create a much kinder better world for people um, and how you go about doing that is is highly idiosyncratic so for us it may have been you know the the water aspect to, to really transform people's lives but you know five ten years ago 
people would have been saying, well, why is a beer company doing that? Or, or it's a gimmick or it's whatever. It's No, I think if that house plant, um, and I'm a big fan of house plants. So I would, okay, well, you've got two behind you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I've got a hell of a lot in front of me. Um, you know, if they did take a stand and and, 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 and somehow they, they managed to authentically, like I say, integrate what they believe in with what they sell, then I think that, you know, that is something that, that should be encouraged. And I think that, you know, when it comes back to your question about should brand brand sorry should brands plant a flag there's i've got two sort of answers to that one of them is they should because it it gives greater encouragement to the people who interact with that brand to take a similar stand you know that they're not alone that people they look up to admire whatever are in, feel the same things that they feel and therefore they should be encouraged to, to do what they think is the right thing. And then the second one is is illustrated by, you know, you saying that you watched, you know, an interview with Donald Trump and then, you know, the eulogy for um, for John Lewis. You know, you, ultimately, there's, there's a lack of, I think, certainly for my generation, of a viable political vision for the future, and um, which is which is um, one that I can embrace, which which addresses climate change, which address you know massive inequalities in wealth, and if there's a political vacuum, then that has to be filled by somebody. You know, somebody has to take that mantle, and ultimately, businesses of, of various different sizes are, are are run by human beings. And I want to align myself in the in the best way possible with the human beings that I share the same values with. So there is a blurring between politics and business at, at, at times, but I think it's one that should be encouraged if the businesses are the ones that are coming up with the credible, you know, stances and and and, and in some cases solutions to, to the problems that politicians are ever making work or, or not addressing. Yeah. Well I think um, I'm a musician as well. For, for my sins and um you, you know and i think whereas musicians historically have been the the, the prophets of our day you know who will call these like you think think about bob dylan in the 60s and all that sort of stuff um you, you know it, it in some ways it's like i think there's a lot of parallels between music and beer and i don't hear those voices in music so much these days that are speaking about out about these things obviously that there are some but not not like it yep. feels like they used to be but you hear that a lot more in beer you know and i think if there's going to be something that's going to speak to people and to kickstart that conversation then it definitely should be beer if you think about as um people like pete brown right you know beer being the the social glue and lubricant yeah. of, of society you know like y- you can sit in a bar and argue with your mate who might be a different um you know vote, vote for a different political party than you do and you yeah. can still walk away at the end of that having had a hot debate and still be friends whereas if you did yes. that outside of the bar with someone you didn't know yeah. you'd probably end up in a fight <laughs> yeah exactly and i think i mean I, i'm in total agreement with that like i came to to Bruder as a as a drinker who went from through different stages in 
you know my life when I was younger I was just mad about football and when we I met my friends I talked about how much better Thierry Henry was than you know Wayne Rooney or something like that there you know and and that was my competition and then when you go to uni and you, you start to meet other people and, and there's actually really different views and, and and stuff and and you 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 have those types of conversations when you're when you're young and naive and think you're everything's a, a debate or whatever and then you you start working and people are you know just looking for a reason to to hang out and, and let loose and maybe not talk about work all the time and whenever I started earning a bit more money I started buying better well what I perceived to be better beer and then everyone else was doing the same thing and everyone was talking so passionately about this thing and I was like can you imagine if this was pointed in the right direction whether it's you know singularly to, to clean water like Bruger has been to, to this point or whether it's just about trying to make you know things better all around I think that it's the most commonly you know it's one it's certainly one of the most commonly consumed consumer products in in the world and there's a latent power in that that if that can be dynamized then you know for for good then it has potential to touch a lot of people's lives for sure and um, and i think there's not very many products in the world that have the ability to do that like you say and i don't want to commodify music but i mean if if music's no longer giving you that then you have to find it somewhere and you'll you'll search out until you find it yeah sure. absolutely so work in progress have got a wide range of members so far including R- ride bruco so um, yep. a bit big shout out to dave if he's listening um Ma- magic rock mccall's what yep. wiper and true e- even my brewery uh, albeit it's 100 liters but i've got a commercial license so as far as i'm yes. concerned i'm a pro brewer um <laughs> these days emmanuel so what what sort of feedback have you got so far from the breweries who have signed up and you've spoke to what sort of things have they said yeah i mean they just um they're just excited to get going one of the big things that people always say is you know we're not in a position to recruit now for for obvious reasons across the industry um but once we do like this is front of mind you know like it's almost like it's just like right happy days we have the ability to 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 say we're going to do something and do something and learn from it and make it diverse you know and and go out of our way to to try and um reach new people i can't remember who who was speaking to but they basically said if i if I put up a, an advert for a sales and marketing or a brewery job, I get I get like a load of clones walking through the door, and that's not to demean those people who do. But he said, you know, I want to be in a position where somebody comes up that I, you know, in no form of you know walk of life have I potentially you know met this person in a really social way, and and suddenly they're working in my team, and and that team just is different and more representative and i think there's other breweries and um, that we've spoken to that um you know they they are in very diverse parts of the country particularly in london and their their staff all come from outside of that area you know what i mean and mm. they're like why aren't we trying to do something with the people who you know ultimately we call call home with and it's just that recognize recognize sorry recognition um, and self-awareness that you're kind of like wow if people started to if this if this caught on in some way and it was beyond you know a one-off brew or beyond a you know um, a campaign it was a sustained effort and you know starting from really small beginnings you know what could could they all achieve and you know who could we be speaking to as the leader the senior leadership of those breweries in, in five or ten ten years time 
would they look sound and be different people? And I think that, you know, that's a journey we certainly as, as Baruguder want to go on. And I just think that if our passion and determination to, to set up the group has led to other people's passion and determination to join the group, then you'll start to see that slowly evolve and hopefully exponentially grow as we as we get further and further out. Yeah, totally. I used to work for a church um, and I oversaw the music there. And so we'd have like, it was quite a large church, so you'd, you'd audition with musicians. And a lot of um, modern church music sounds really similar, kind of like Coldplay circa 2008, (laughs) you know. um, And a lot of the musicians that you'd end up on your team would, you know, they'd only have three effects pedal. One was a reverb, one was delay, and one was, it wasn't a distortion, it was kind of like a crunch. You know, you don't you don't want to push it too hard. Um, And they'd all have like um, a Telecaster or something like that. And... um, you know, and you can guarantee you'd always get the same kind of washy sound, but it was always interesting where you'd get maybe a drummer that was into funk, or yeah. you'd get um, a bassist into Rage Against the Machine or something, or we had this metal guitarist, and then they'd turn up and they'd normally like disrupt things because they they didn't like playing the game they hated that kind of music but they like the stuff they were into and they bring that blend and i used to encourage be like you know don't try and like do quote unquote the sound yeah you know um just bring your own flavor and color to it and actually the team as a whole over time benefited from that um, and I, I would love to see that in, in beer, you know, and in, in you go into other breweries and like um, th- there will be people of, of different races, genders, religions. Again, sounds really ridiculous, doesn't it? Um, yeah. b- uh, r- rather than it, everyone, you know, like say that the, the, the male white guy with a big beard that likes drinking sure. neepers and imperial stouts, you know, yeah. um, because actually it doesn't just benefit your culture it would benefit the actual product you're making as well. You know, some yeah, it, it, benefit your sales. If you're if more people identify with your market because they feel at home there, then they're gonna buy you buy your beer, you know. They just need a platform to, to be introduced to mm. in a way that they feel comfortable with. But it's monoculture versus polyculture, you know? Like yeah. you go in and, and you see, you know, lines and lines of the same plant or trees or, or, or whatever. Um but then if you if you if you see diversity, you know, it's more aesthetically better to look at and it's it's a hell of a lot more interesting and you can take a, a longer walk through a, a jungle than you can through a forest because, you know, you stop and you look at all the different things that are there and, and yeah, listen, it is it, it is somewhat simple and it is coming from a privileged position. Um but it's it's true. Like you feel it and you wanna bring it to life and you wanna just be involved with, with the, the birthing of, of, of something quite different. Yeah. So, um, last question then. Where do you see the beer industry heading over the next year, in particularly in light to of um, coronavirus? So, I think there's probably, you know, depending on if we go back into lockdown, et cetera, et cetera, I think there's a lot more, you know, of the online direct consumer, consumer home stuff that's going to be, be pushed, particularly this winter, I think. Um, and I think that can only really kind of hurt pubs in the, in the short to medium term. And I, and I hope that there's a way um, for, for pubs to, to be efficient and to operate with all the restrictions that are, that are going to continue to be in place after the good weather legitimizes sitting outside in, in, a, in a beer garden. Um, I think lower and no um, alcohol uh, beers are going to be bigger and bigger and bigger and it's really exciting to see the innovation that's being that's happening uh, there and i also think you'll you'll see a lot more of what we were talking about just now of, of 
brewers taking stands on things that they believe in, whether that's environmental, whether that's people focused like us, whether that's you know promoting you know local strong local identities, um, or whether that's you know pushing the boundaries for for inclusion and, and diversity within the industry. I think those three things are are probably what you know will in to some form or degree happen, but I'm sure that there's probably stuff that I couldn't even envision um, happening that will probably take us by storm and, and, and hopefully make the industry much, much better. But if you look again at things like SBR, you know, coming like that reform, if that reform comes in um, to, you know, and hurts small breweries, then it could be a really, really challenging next year or two years for, for some of the, the brewers that I think are, are the most exciting. Um, and most energising of brands within, yeah. within the industry. I mean, out of interest for Booger, how does the deposit return scheme look like it's going to affect you? See, yeah, I mean, we aren't even anywhere near to grips with, with the implications for that. And I think that we are in a lucky position where we have, um, we're quite small, we're kind of version one of, of, of what we want to achieve with it. Um, but we're we're kind of blank slate because we don't have our own production capacity, which adds complexities to, to, to stuff like the uh, deposit return, but also kind of allows us to, to, to think of new ways to kind of approach every change in legislation, every change in, 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 in industry dynamic, and try and come up with, with ways to, to stay ahead of it and kind of future-proof what we're doing. Um, but yeah, I think we're just trying to get to the point of, of knowing that will survive from from one year to the next before we start to get into the the meat and bones and under the hood of some of the reforms that can really shake things up, and then hopefully look into other brands within the industry to um to to point to some green shoots of, of how to deal with things. Great, brilliant. Well, it's been great having you on the podcast today, Alan. Um, hearing Excellent. about how you how you're brewing good and doing good. Um, h- how can people firstly sign up to uh, work in progress, and then how can people get hold of your beer? Yeah, so work in progress. Uh, you can sign up at workinprogress.beer um, and you can uh, check out Brugger at Brugger.com um, and you can get in touch with me at alan at Brugger.com if you have any questions about anything that we chatted about. Fantastic, brilliant. Thank you very much. So, good man. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers.